Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Eyes on Iowa podcast. Of course, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Quinn Douglas, joined by my fellow co-host, Carter Cottinger, Zach Martin. Fellas, good to see you again, and uh, it's unfortunate that we were uh, having some uh, issues before. We were, we'd probably be recording this about 20 minutes earlier, but my laptop decided, well, let's just not work for old Quinn today. You know what? It's a real it's a real struggle, Quinn, <laughs> isn't it, to to not have your laptop work on on this wonderful Tuesday of of the day of recording this election day and yep. you can't get your laptop to work. Just a real, a real travesty. Real travesty. Real. Thank God. Thank God. I don't have any reporting to do tonight. Yeah. Quinn, did you uh, have time to clean your computer screen off? We're not talking about that. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pleads the fifth. I, I plead the fifth. Actually, it's just yeah. no comment. Pleading the fifth, pleading the fifth just, it just incriminates yourself. So just no comment. <laughs> All right. Oh, so with that, we'll, we'll, we'll dive in. I know Carter, you might have to leave early. You got, got some intramural basketball tonight. That's starting up a little early. Yeah, yeah, it's actually the three-on-three season, so there's like there's like 80 teams or so. Um, I got Spencer Dempwolf on my team. Shout out Spencer. Little Spence, little um, Spence. He, he's a avid listener of the of the pod, so shout out my teammate. Hopefully, uh, we keep it going. We're two and zero right now. Hoping to be four and zero after tonight. Just remember, survive in advance. Survive in advance. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, no epitome of brutality. <laughs> did you no. guys, did you guys see that tweet from Rothstein today, where he got a text from I, I couldn't tell you who text it was some you know some uh, someone's campaign in New York because that's where Rothstein lives and he they, they texted him you know the, the the standard you know we would really love your vote and then it was like the guy spaced out a couple of goes and if this this if this is the John Rothstein we think it is we sleep in December. <laughs> Instead of it was it it was terrific. It was (laughs) that he gets he gets jokes. Whoever sent that he gets he or she gets jokes. Yep, they 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 do the internet properly. No question about that. Well, we love John. We love John Rothstein this time of year. Yes, we do. Yeah, he had like twenty tweets yesterday of saying the epitome of brutality. I feel like (laughs) all the all the pay and all the teams that. Had the buy-in games yep. lost, the epitome of brutality. The epitome of brutality. Uh, I love using a good old Rossingism, even if it isn't, doesn't pertain to basketball. Because mm-hmm. then people that don't know college basketball just look at you like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. they're not fans. They don't know. They do not know. Oh, with that, I suppose we can move on to uh, uh, our first topic. We're gonna, since we got the three of us here, we'll talk about uh, the Iowa high school football semifinals. Of course, uh, we had the quarterfinals on Friday. I stayed in, although uh, I was at the old flat tire matter. I actually got my dad to turn on, uh, convinced my dad to turn on one of the high school games. So I think for the first half, I had Southeast Polk and uh, Prairie on. And when that turned into a blowout, I actually threw on OABCIG and Spirit Lake watched the second half of that game, uh, which was a very, very entertaining game up in Northwest Iowa. Uh, but just as, as we take a look at the the, the uh, semifinals in the Unidome, 
They start tomorrow. I and Zach will be in attendance. Zach will be there for both games coming up tomorrow. Uh, I plan on going to the Lennox game, which is uh, slated to kick off at four against St. Mary's Remsen. As I mentioned before on the podcast, uh, Lennox's co-head coach, Michael Nardini, he was my offensive line coach in high school. And my dad said he would come and pick me up uh, about 2.30 tomorrow. We'll head on over to Cedar Falls and hopefully see Lennox pull off a huge upset. But we'll use that to segue into the eight-player semifinal matchups. Uh, New Alfonso, Waco, Wayland, and Lennox and St. Mary's Remsen. I thought maybe they would rematch St. Mary's and Newell in the, in the semis rather than have Lennox play St. Mary's, but they chose to have Lennox take on St. Mary's Remsen and then Waco Wayland. Uh, they uh, upend Montezuma. Zach, I know that was uh, an upset pick of yours that Montezuma might be able to get it done over Waco, but they take care of business. And uh, New Alfonso, they get to the dome despite really having some struggles on offense in the regular season. They seem to have figured it out and played some of their best football right now. Yeah, I th- and I th- I kind of like the idea of not of splitting up Remsen and Newell Fonda because I think as it stands right now, I think those are the two best teams in eight player. Um, and I would say Waco is Waco's three and Lennox four, which is why I think it's Lennox, Remsen, Newell Fonda, Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really did think Montezuma was going to pull off an upset last week, but Waco, I mean, they they manhandled. They manhandled the Braves. Um, a real, real dominant effort, and quite frankly, opened my eyes um, to see um, to see what Waco did. And you know, I think I think Waco and Lennox were two teams that I personally were a little lower on this year, and I guess I maybe shouldn't have been, um, especially Lennox lately because they, their defense has really turned it up to complement what has been a good offense. So. Um, so it should be really two good eight-player semis, but I think I think it's going to be a Northwest an all Northwest Iowa final between New Alfonso Remsen next week. Yeah, I mean Remsen, I feel like is just really really good, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, and it seems like Kale Ortman at quarterback is just he can kind of do it all, both rushing and passing. Um, I, I'm excited to watch him tomorrow, that's for sure, but. Yeah, that, those will be some fun matchups. I always love watching eight man because I I feel like just I haven't seen a lot of it. You know, being from where where we're from, Quinn, you know, yeah. um, Central Iowa, but it's always fun to watch it when it's in the dome because it's just kind of a different game than eleven man. Um, and it it's it's always I don't know I it's one of my favorite ones to watch. Yeah, it's a, it kind of gives you that arena football type of feel, like the Iowa yeah. Barnstormers. Exactly. Except, you know, they have to play it on the 11-man field. Can't, you know, be really cool if they could play it at the well and that in the, uh, in the <laughs> like they set up the Barnstormers field. That would be, that would be pretty cool. But I, I don't know if that's that regulation size is nearly is big enough for a player. I'd have to to compare uh, for that. But that would be, it'd be a really cool idea. There's one for you, the boys in Boone. Think about that for a second. <laughs> that, would, that would actually be sweet. That would actually be awesome. <laughs> well, it would be. I do want to mention one quick note about Remden that I just found out today. Their senior class um, in their high school career, they're 44 and two. They have gone through three, all four years have been unbeaten. They have never lost a regular season game. Their only two losses um, were um, in the playoffs in 2019, and then in the semifinals uh, last year. So there, so that senior class, I think it's nine, it's eight players, and then the team manager. They're trying to go 46 and two if they can get two more wins. They're trying to go 46 and two with a second state championship. Oh my God, I can't even think about that. 
pretty good numbers. That, that's pretty good. I, <clears throat> I've just tried to do the math in my head. I think I was 31 and 12 in my high school career. And there's a lot of people that would kill to have a record that good in high school. Carter's, I, I suspect yeah. yours was probably pretty darn close, if not maybe just a, a little bit better. Yeah, I think we had six, seven. Because three of those losses came in one year. Yeah. would have been your sophomore year. Yeah, I think <clears throat> if I'm going off the top of my head, seven losses. And mm-hmm. probably somewhere around there for wins, too, with you. Yeah, because you lost two games junior year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was thinking that was a one loss. Your freshman year and your senior year were one loss years. Uh, because yeah. we, we played you guys all four of those years. That's why I remember that. So. Uh, good times, <laughs> good times, good times indeed. Uh, so that yeah, those are the eight player matchups. They'll play Wednesday afternoon again. New Alfano, Waco, Whale, one p.m. Lennox, St. Mary's, Remsen at four p.m. Moving on up to Class A, they'll play Thursday morning at the Unidome. Linville Sully, they get the four seed at eleven and zero. Matter of fact, this is the only class where every team that's made the dome has undefeated records. Limbaugh Sully taking on number one seed West Hancock Britt. If you're a fan of throwback football from the 50s, 60s, even into the 70s, that's going to be the football game for you on Thursday. Limbaugh with their single wing uh, attack taking on West Hancock, who likes to run a lot of wing T stuff. And then uh, the one o'clock game, Woodbury Central taking on Grundy Center. Two two more modern offenses, two more spread attacks that we'll see in the one o'clock game. And it really feels like uh, Zach and Carter, whoever wants to start, really feels like we have the chance to maybe see two really good, maybe even shootouts between these two teams coming up in differing styles uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I, so I, I'm really interested to watch the Grundy Center game. And one of the reasons for that is uh, their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Quinn, I don't know if you're aware of this or, or Zach, but I guess, Zach, you wouldn't really know. But their quarterback is Colin Gordon. Does that last name sound familiar at There's all? There's no way he's related to Drew. There's no way he's he related to Drew. So, <laughs> yeah, he's, he is Drew's cousin. Um, and you kidding me. Thus, the, the cousin of Van Meter's running back and wide receiver, starting running back and wide receiver, uh, Ben and Will Gordon. And uh, he's, he's doing pretty good this year, 108 um, for 154, 1,600 yards passing. 18 touchdowns on the, in the air, 10 on the ground. I mean, I'm interested to watch him because I haven't this season. So I think that'll be a, be a great matchup with the Woodbury Central. I think they match up pretty well. Yeah, I just <clears throat> uh, – I think Grundy Woodbury's got a chance to be – I think that one's got more chance to be a shootout over Linville, West mm-hmm. Hancock. I think the only way Linville and West Hancock is a shootout is if um, Linville's running back, Carter, Noun, uh, Harder – who might be one of the most – who might be arguably the best player in the Dome in Class A because he's – his number he, – he's 5'9", a buck seventy, and his numbers pop off the charge. I think he's got over 25 total touchdowns, 17 rushing, two receiving, two pick sixes, three punt returns, and a kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, he might be the most electric player in the Dome – Wow. In all of class A. Wow. So Wes Hancock's gonna have their hands full. Um yeah, this I I still think I think Wes Hancock's uh defense will be tested because Linville Sully's very, very um they're very athletic. They've got a lot of speed. So it was Wes Hancock. So it's gonna be a speed on speed, athleticism on athleticism type battle. I think Wes Hancock being able to go from their base wing tee to their shotgun stuff to their shotgun um, formation with um, um, 
with Mitchell Smith at quarterback will be a big key to see if Wes Hancock can um, can get back into a state championship game. Yeah, that'll be a re- that'll be a very very interesting matchup because two different ways that you know you talk about speed on speed. If we're going just off of, I think off of sheer formation, I think Limbo solely has the advantage just with the the shotgun nature of their you know the, their single wing attack. But West Hancock, we know they could if they want to, they could probably slow down the football game quite a bit. If they want to run a lot of their base wing tee. Uh, very interesting matchup between Louisville Sully and West Hancock. Uh, you know, definitely going to be paying attention to those games coming up uh, on uh, Thursday. Uh, definitely at least have one screen at work dedicated to them while I'm trying to get other stuff done there. I have no doubts about that. Uh, we'll move on to Class 1A. That comes up on Friday. Again, they're the early session on Friday, 10 a.m., West Branch, Van Meter. I, if there's any complaints I have, with the state about any matchups. I mean, the, this is probably the biggest complaint. I think Van Meter and West Branch are the two best teams in the state. I think Underwood is third, not by much, but I think they're third. And we're, well, you could argue West Sioux or Underwood is third. Uh, I, I've been a little bit more impressed with Underwood, uh, but West Branch, Van Meter, four versus one. West Branch draws the four, Van Meter gets the one. That's the 10 a.m. game. Underwood in West Sioux, that's the one o'clock game. Uh, just a matchup really when I look at this matchup on paper, a lot of team, a couple teams in West Sioux and Underwood really like to throw the football around. And you got a couple teams with West Branch and Van Meter. They are they, they may be spread offenses, but they love to run the football quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I was disappointed when Zach texted us on Friday night and said Van Meter got Van Meter and West Branch first round uh yeah. semis. Cause I I, I kind of have the same sentiment. Maybe the state thinks that West Sioux or Underwood's better? I, I don't know, but I'm I'm really excited for this matchup uh, for Van Meter. And then, I mean, I, I feel like we're pretty familiar with West Sioux and the Dome as well at this point um, with their air raid offense. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, and they might not have Hunter Deckers there anymore, but um, I, I swear they always find somebody who's going to air, air out the ball. <laughs> Yeah, Dylan Riggins has been just fine as their uh, quarterback. He was their starter last year when they got to the state chi- uh, state title game against Van Meter. And he's back, and he's been <clears throat> he's been just as good, if not better, than last year. But I share the same sentiment as you too. I was very surprised to see that it was Van Meter West Branch in the semis. I guess the only reason why I would say that West Sioux got the two seeds because I think their schedule, when you look at it in totality, was maybe a little bit better especially when we look at it now. I think when, when we looked at West Branch's schedule, um, I don't like now looking at it, maybe it didn't stack up to par like West Sue's because mm. West Sue's only losses to the number one in, or, the, you know, either the number one or the num- number two team in two A, however you want to, whichever way you want to throw it in mm. Central Line, George Little Rock. So I could maybe see the argument of why West Sue was two just strictly because of a better schedule. But I, but I, I personally still think West Branch is the second best team, and it's going to be a real treat at 10 a.m. to see who comes off between West Branch and Van Meter, because um, I think whoever wins that game is going to be the state champion. No, no, and it's not, it's not anything. It's Underwater West Sioux. I just think, I think West Branch or Van Meter is going to end up being the state champion. Whoever wins that semi. And of course, West Branch, a feel good story. Uh, of course, with the legendary head coach Butch Peterson battling cancer. Of course, our thoughts and prayers are with him while he goes through that battle of cancer and talk about one of one of the legends in, in, in coaching in this state. 
Butch Peterson, and it definitely he uh, defines that, no question about that. And it is, I'm going to be a little interested with Underwood because I actually did find out their head coach, Nate McHaleson, Hamilton County boy, Northeast Hamilton Blairsburg graduate. So uh, there's going to be probably a few Underwood fans here in Hamilton County rooting on for the uh, the Eagles of Underwood who uh, beat Pella Christian, who in turn uh, beat South Hamilton back in the round of 16. Class 2A, we'll move on up. That's the morning slate on Saturday. They kick things off at 10 a.m. Williamsburg, they get the number one seed out of 2A, and they take on Dubuque Waller Catholic, Catholic, excuse me, as they knocked off Cresco Crestwood in the quarterfinal round to get to the Unidome. Williamsburg, of course, led by uh, uh, by, uh, Iowa. Uh, I just totally blanked on his name. Oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Help me out here, Zach. He's golf. He's golf. Whatever his last yeah, name Derek is. Weisskopf. Yep. Well, Weisskopf. Weisskopf. I was thinking of Preston Reese from Monticello. That's a problem. <laughs> they're they're an M and that's W and, and Williamsburg is the red W like Wisconsin. It runs together sometimes. Uh, and with that, uh, you know, th- that's going to be a very interesting matchup. Although I think the better of the two games will be the one o'clock game. Central Line George Little Rock 11 and 0. OAB CIG. They get revenge on Spirit Lake. They shut out the Indians at Spirit Lake to get back to the Unidome. Third time in four years, the Falcons have been back to the Unidome. And Central Line George Little Rock, first time in, in I think quite a while, uh, Central Line George Little Rock has been back to the Dome in two way. Uh, I just want to get some of your guys' thoughts on these two way games because I think Williamsburg is a clear cut favor over Waller Catholic, but I could I could really see that this one o'clock game getting a little bit interesting. Yeah, when you look at you know it's an all Eastern Iowa battle between Williamsburg Waller Catholic um, at ten a.m. and I I agree I think Williamsburg is a clear cut favorite in that, but Dubuque Waller's been playing its its best football lately. I mean, you upset uh, you go on the road and beat West Marshall in State Center by a touchdown, and then you completely manhandle. Uh, Crestwood, who beat Wakan, which was a very good win. I mean, I mean, the Golden Eagles are playing their best football right now. So, and they're probably they're coming in with absolutely nothing to lose because I don't. No one, no one. When you looked at two, I thought that the that Dubuque Waller was going to be the fourth team in there. We all kind of figured it was going to be Williamsburg Central Line, and then OABCIG was in the mix too. But no one thought Wall. Uh, no one thought that Waller Catholic was going to be there. So they're coming in playing probably they're going to come in playing loose as all heck. Um, but yeah, I agree. OABCIG has got a real shot against central lion. Um, Beckett to Gene is slightly turned into a lighter version of Cooper over the, over these playoff run. Um, but I just, I just think central Lion is the more complete team. And I think that they, I think they're going to prove that they are the second, they are a, a team that is that is going to challenge for that is going to challenge for a class two A state championship because I just think top to bottom they've been they've been number two and if and if you want to say they're number one I I really won't argue so I I, I think this is the week where Central Lions is going to really show that they are um, they're a clear cut top two team in two A yeah Zach you were like right on spot on about your prediction last week too about OABCIG having a pretty good chance of knocking off. Uh, Spirit Lake, and what do you know? It, it happened. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a blind I, squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> true. Yeah, but I mean, I I th- I foresee Central Line, George Little Rock, and Williamsburg in the championship. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that I I see that happening, and I'd be really really surprised if uh, it wasn't that. Yeah, I think it's pretty cut, cut and dry. Those are the two favorites in, in class two way. 
I uh, was impressed with OABCIG. Their defense was fantastic against a really physical spirit like offense, and they held them to no points, held them to, held them to an over in the quarterfinals. I, I guess that is worth something as well. Be interesting to see how the game plan for uh, Zach Lutmer and the uh, the uh, Lions of Central Lion George Little Rock. As uh, we take a look here, we move into Class 3A. They will be the afternoon slate on Saturday. First game at 4 o'clock, 8 a.m. They're the 4 seed taking on number one seed at Harlan. Harlan blew out Nevada for the second year in a row en route to a uh, trip back to the Unidome. And then in the uh, second game, the 7 o'clock game, Humboldt taking on undefeated Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon able to get by. Um, they were able to get by Solon Humboldt. They 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 appeared to be pretty much in control quite a bit of the game against Independence as uh, they move on to the Unidome for the second time second consecutive year and you know we can debate whether or not who who, who gets to the final place harlan but harlan is very likely going to be the clear-cut favorite going in but there's some team you know i look at adm that's a team that you know they lost to harlan earlier but that's a team that has they're, they're athletic enough to hang with harlan yeah i mean they lost 42 to 7 the first yeah. matchup so who knows but they have the athletes yeah, I mean, they, they do. They do. Aiden Flora looks incredible, and they definitely put up points, but um, they might need a little more of a defensive effort to yes. have any chance against Harlan. And I feel like at this point, the other matchup is just, I mean, you're essentially playing to go play Harlan in the next round and mm-hmm. probably also get ran. But maybe I'll be wrong. So I – I'm in the super, super minority here, and I think ADM keeps it within single points of Harlan. I think they win. I think – I don't think they win. Pardon. Excuse me. I don't think ADM wins, but I think it's a shootout. I think ADM has a shot to win. Um, I think I think Harlan – as much as I think Harlan's defense is legit, I think ADM's offense clearly was 68 points against North Polk in the quarterfinals. I think they woke up last week. And you get you get Aiden Flora on a turf. Yeah, it could be. Look, I I'm not saying ADM wins, but I think it's I think it's a one possession final. And I think Harlan's I think Harlan survives in advance um, over ADM. I think and I and I think they're gonna play Humboldt. I as much as I love Mount Vernon this year, I did pick them to lose against Solon because I thought Solon was gonna come in a little bit a little bit more just play better the second meeting and they didn't um i saw humboldt i was very impressed with them i think they i think they ride it i think they ride that defense they ride lance coon will uh hornus at quarterback and they they roll it into a 3a state they roll it into a 3a state final against harlan but i like i said i think adm keeps it within a score Second year in a row, those two teams would meet for the uh, Class 3A state title. And when it comes to ADM, you know, some, the, the the big stage, sometimes it does things to to a team and maybe gives them the confidence they don't know. But, yeah, you look, talk about one-two punch like Aiden Flora and Brevin Dahl for uh, ADM. They, they they definitely, like you said, on that turf field up at, up at uh, the Unidome, that could give Harlan's defense some fits. As we take a look at Class 4A, Carlisle, they come in as the number five seed after they they pretty much de- they took care of Iowa City Liberty, and it really wasn't all that close uh, between uh, the Lightning and Carlisle. They take on uh, Lewis Central, who somehow ends up with the, the number three seed, but I guess that's going back to the, the RPI, for I suppose, for uh, for the rankings for that. Waverly Shell Rock got knocked out uh, in, in the quarterfinals by North Scott. They're the sixth seed coming in. They knock off 
Weebly Shell Rock in a defensive grudge match. Uh, North Scott was able to, to get, put some points on the board late to, to pull away in that one. And they take on Cedar Rapids, Xavier. They are the number one team in the RPI rankings at 11 0. It feels like we're on a collision course between Lewis Central and Cedar Rapids, Xavier. But, maybe, you know, if there's a, you know, one of those two games, who maybe what of the lower seats has a better chance to win? Do you think it's Carlisle? Do you think it's North Scott? North Scott. North Scott? Yeah. North Scott. They played Xavier. They played Xavier close in the regular season meeting. It, it was a, it was seventeen to nothing, um, and I think the game. I think it. I think that game was a was closer than the final score indicated because North Scott did not. They couldn't finish drives. Hmm. That was their that was their one bugaboo against against Xavier in the regular season. They could not finish drive. They got they got good drives. They just could not finish them. Hmm. Um, and so, and I think it's a. I think they're much. They're obviously much improved right now. Um, their offensive line is really starting to gel. And if you can, and if you can, man, if you can, you know, take away or, or excuse me, if you can, if you can take away and also your defense limits, Waverly shell rock with how much that offense was cooking over the last handful of weeks. I, I think they're the most likely team that can pull off that can, that can beat one of the two one beans. I think Carlisle is really good. And I did. I think I. I think I remember saying last week that I felt like they were going to beat Liberty because Liberty hadn't seen those type of athletes that Carlisle has had, um, and it proved to be like just a no doubter that Carlisle was better. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I as much as I like Carlisle this year, I think Lewis Central is better um, by a significant by a significant margin. I don't think Xavier's a significant better margin over North Scott. So I, I give I give North Scott the better shot of beating Xavier than I do Carlisle against Lewis Central. Yeah, well, I mean Carlisle only lost to uh, Lewis Central 28-21 earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, although, from the looks of the box score and having not watched it, it looks like uh, Lewis Central was up 28-7 until uh, the fourth quarter. So, not sure how close it really was. If mm-hmm. there were maybe some garbage time. Uh, touchdowns or what for Carlisle, but looks like maybe that could be a closer matchup than we do think, but I fully expect the Lewis central um, in, in the, in the championship. And then I, I am really intrigued by this North Scott team. I feel like um, every, all of us kind of thought Waverly shell rock was going to um, make it to the dome and, they they took them down pretty handedly, so I'm I'm interested to see how how they can do against Xavier again with what you said, Zach. And I think an interesting point in the Lewis Central Carlisle game too is Carlisle. You know they may not have the athletes Lewis Central has, but what they do have in that flexible offense, they have the ability to slow to, to shorten the game. You know, run run a lot of fullback stuff, like you know, get three four yards to carry. You know, move the sticks, put together long drives, and that can really limit. What Lewis Central can do offensively if they simply don't have the football. I think Carlisle has that working for them as well. It's gonna be interesting to see how Carlisle game plans for that uh this time around. Finally, we'll get up to the the top class, uh class five A. And Zach, you called it. It was you thought it was going to be an all central Iowa C, uh, final, and it is an all central Iowa final. Dowling Catholic uh is the one seed. They'll take on a, a crosstown rival West Des Moines Valley as they knocked off Cedar Falls in the quarterfinal round. 
And then the 7 o'clock game, it will be Southeast Polk taking on Johnston. Johnston pulls a big shocker uh, to a lot of people. It wasn't necessarily a shocker for me, but they do upend Ankeny. And it felt like all year long, Ankeny, yeah, we'll see if you guys agree. I don't. I, I think Ankeny underperformed all year long. I don't think they played up to the level they very well should have uh, with having, you know, having the D1 recruits they have on their team with guys such as uh, Jamison Patton and J.J. Cole on their roster, just to name a couple of them. Uh, but Johnson, you got to give them credit. They go, they knock, knock off a tough Iowa City high team in the round of 16, and they go and they knock off Ankeny in, in the quarterfinals to get to the Unidome. And this may not be a push, the pushover Southeast Polk thinks it is right now. Yeah, I would fully agree that Ankeny underperformed. They had the best. I mean, <clears throat> if you were to look, if you were to take Central Iowa on paper mm-hmm. and you looked at just players, which team would you want? You'd want Ankeny because they've yeah. got the best individual talent. It just never felt like they had the right team. This was not a good, it was not a team oriented success. It was individual oriented success. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was not too surprised to see Johnson go in and beat them. I think I was more surprised by the by the margin that it got to double digits and that their defense limited uh, Ankeny's offense to almost to almost nothing. Um, that was a little bit surprising, but I wasn't when I look at it in totality. I wasn't all that surprised that Johnson won because I felt like Ankeny was just more individualistic than than team oriented. Um, yeah, all Central Iowa. I think it'll be Southeast Polk Dowling. And I don't think it'll be relatively close, to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I remember you guys talking on the pod last week about how you weren't convinced by Ankeny. And looks like both of you were kind of right. Uh, Johnston beats them last week. Uh, and then I I feel like, I mean, Dowling almost seems like a shoe in for the to, to get to the championship game because they already beat Valley earlier in the season, 35 to three. And uh I mean, I could maybe see Johnston giving Southeast Polk some troubles, but I feel like it's going to be Dowling Southeast Polk uh, championship. And correct me if I'm wrong, was they played in the Dome last year in the semis, correct? I think it was no, Dowling. Yeah, that was two years, two years ago. Two years yeah. ago. Got it. I think that was the first time they'd ever played in the Dome in the semis. If I remember. It was either the first or second time. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was I think it was a set. I thought they played in the mid two. I thought they played in the mid 2010s. Um uh, the they may have. You may be right. <laughs> yeah. I do want to I do want to ask this question and I and I'm being dead serious. Okay. Are we going in our lifetimes? Are we going to see an Eastern Iowa team win a large school football state championship in the state? I think it's possible. I think we will. I think that the odds are good that they, you know, a school like maybe a Pleasant Valley, maybe a Cedar Rapids Prairie, maybe even Iowa City Liberty, if they move up to 5A, you know, you, you get you get lucky with a few athletes. Uh, you just, you know, you never know. You, all it takes is one year. Uh, when you look at the growth of uh, places like, you know, Southside Cedar Rapids is obviously growing. It's growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, Iowa City, North Liberty plays into that as well a little bit. They're, they're growing by leaps and bounds. The, the growth in the Bettendorf area is in the Pleasant Valley district. Uh, and then you even look at, you know, Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls has been, you know, they, they've been a consistent Eastern Iowa power. It remains to be seen if they can, you know, get get those athletes. Maybe it takes maybe poaching a couple of kids from Waverly Shellrock. Who knows? Uh, but I, I definitely think we will. Um, it just won't be very common. 
Yeah, well, I remember when we were growing up, and this was kind of in the 2010s or maybe even a little earlier, Bettendorf used to be, um, they were pretty good a few years there in the highest class when it was just 4A. And I mean, I, I could see I could see a Davenport team like Bettendorf or Pleasant Valley also being good, at, you know, getting to the state championship and winning it because they they have invested a lot of money in youth sports as well there. I mean, they have that massive mm-hmm. um, complex that's right off of I-80. I yeah, I can't think of the name down. of it, but yeah. I, I, I refer well, to the, it. Well, the, the unofficial name is the Betplex. Like, that's what they yeah. unofficially call it, but. And I feel like that, that honestly, stuff like that actually plays a huge role in the development of athletes, you know, in, in areas. And you see tons of those in uh, the West Des Moines, Des Moines area right now. And um, in order to kind of keep up, I feel like that's kind of what the other places are going to have to do, too. I just think Central Iowa is just so far ahead right now of Eastern Iowa. When you oh. when you look at the grand scheme of things, I just think it's I just think it's going to take. It's going to take a, uh, it's going to take a special, special class of any Eastern Iowa school in order to beat a Central Iowa school in the, in a 5A state title game. Because I, I still believe like, because the last school that did, I think was Bettendorf back in the mid 2000s. Um, the best team that had a shot was Jack Campbell's senior year for Cedar Falls. That still remains the best shot that a 5A team has had against Central Iowa or 4A back then. But a large school Eastern Iowa team has had against Central Iowa. I just I'm I'm optimistic that I'll see an Eastern Iowa team beat like a Dowling or a Southeast Polk or an Ankeny or a Centennial or a Valley. I just I I just don't know when it's going to happen, and I don't know if it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Just because I think Central Iowa is just that much far ahead in terms yeah. of in terms of everything over Eastern Iowa. Yeah. Well, when you look at the, it all, it all boils down, it all, sociologically, sociologically, it all boils down to, to growth, population growth. And yeah. The Des Moines, the Des Moines Metro is one of the fastest growing population centers in, in the country, let alone in the, in the Midwest. It's one of the fastest growing population centers in the country. And, you know, when you have that, that you're going to, you're going to get those lopsidedness and it shows, you know, we're not talking about Des Moines, Des Moines proper. We're talking about the Metro area. Des Moines itself is not, the, the growth of it at least you're not seeing growth in the schools in des moines des moines public schools like east schools like lincoln schools like roosevelt enrollment's dropping at the at des moines public schools so you're seeing it out in the suburbs with the walkies and the southeast bolts and the, the ankeny and so on and so forth that's where you're seeing the growth and uh in eastern iowa there is growth but it's not nearly what central Iowa is. I mean, you, it's hard to replicate the kind of growth central Iowa is having in the Des Moines area. Cause like I said, it's one of the top 10 fastest growing Metro areas in the country. And that, that plays a lot into it, I think, but I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Zach, it's going to take uh, someone special, a special class of players at, you know, an Iowa city, city high or Iowa city Liberty or a, or, or a Pleasant Valley or one of the Cedar Rapids schools. You know, Kennedy has has been able to put together some really good teams over the past number of years as well, or at Cedar Falls. It is possible. It's just it's going to take the – I don't know if the stars have to align necessarily, but the, the, the breaks have to go their way. I think the stars have to align. I mean, it has to be a perfect – I mean, you need every you need every little break. You need every single yeah. star to align in just the right – right amount or right um what's the word i'm looking for what is it the right, right way yeah right, right direction because if just one little star goes off just by a millimeter 
then it ain't happening. It, it everything needs to be perfect in order for an Eastern Iowa team to beat probably, Central Iowa. You would probably need a, a, a down Dowling team. I think that's first and foremost. I think you would need a, a Dowling team that is down, which who knows when that's going to happen. <laughs> right. They, I think there's a I think there's a better chance that Dowling get, moves down to four A than Dowling having a bad team in the near future. Right. I put I I put I, I give I give Central Iowa at least four more schools opening up before Eastern Iowa gets a five five A state football championship. Yeah, and that that's going to be interesting. You know, you want we're kind of diving 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 into a different subject, but it is an interesting subject. What 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 do you think the new schools are going to be? You know, I think Southeast Polk at some point. That's going to get split in two because it feels like, you know, the, the growth focus was on Waukee for a while and it probably still is. I've actually heard rumors are talking about opening a third high school in Waukee in about 10 years or so. I've heard that is being talked about, wow. you know, Ankeny was kind of the first one to get on the, the, the expansion train. And now it feels like Altoona is all of a sudden people are saying, let's go move to Altoona. Let's move to Altoona. You know, that, that's what I like to call the shiny new object. Where do we think these new schools are going to be? Well, I think I think Ankeny is going to get a third school sooner rather than later. If North Polk I, doesn't I, become the default, right? And then I think the Johnson area probably gets a second school within the next decade. Altoona probably gets a second school within the next decade, and I'm sure they'll be. And I, you know, I bet a like you mentioned, a third Waukee school will open up and um, will open up in the next decade. It'll be Waukee, uh, Waukee Northeast or Waukee Southeast, um, and so like. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's I think there's a real chance that we see like four to five new schools in in the Des Moines suburbs opening up in the next fifteen years. Well, I'm pretty sure the third uh, Waukee school is just called Van Meter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> That's terrific. Oh, I'm gonna have so many, so many of those Van Meter, so many of our my Van Meter friends, Carter, are gonna be mad at mad at you for doing that. Oh, it, <laughs> I, it's it's a joke. I like joking about it just because everybody else does. It's it's funny. Well, the question is now, who becomes what? Does that mean what does that make ADM? Does that make it walk just Waukee West? Maybe Van Meter's yeah. Waukee Southwest. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, don't forget, you also you know you have to include. Uh, Norwalk is going to be 5A. Dallas Center Grimes is going to be 5A here before we know it. Uh, they're not new, brand new schools, but they will be new to the biggest class in the state. I think that that gets thrown into that into there as well. So uh, yes. with that, uh, that kind of wraps up our talk on, on Iowa high school football. We'll, we'll venture on over to first college football. Of course, it, it was a good weekend for, for the first time in a while uh, for the two D1 teams in the state of Iowa. Iowa, they get the monkey off their back in the Purdue Boilermakers, a twenty-four to three. I'd say domination at Purdue. I don't think that, that. I think that game was more of a blowout than the score indicated. And then Iowa State, they take down West Virginia, thirty-one to ten. Excuse me, that uh, in a game where Iowa State really put it together in the fourth quarter and poured it on the Mountaineers and did a really, really good job of just wearing down the West Virginia defense. Hunter Deckers had a couple of fantastic throws for touchdowns. A couple of them were, were fantastic catches. I can think of the one to Deshaun Hanica and the one to uh, Xavier Hutchinson, both in the near side of the end zone uh, from the from the press box uh, on the press box side. You know, just really impressed with the performance from, from Iowa on both sides of the football, especially considering the elements. 
Iowa State, you know, it, it was a it was a rock fight there for a while, but eventually Iowa State began to wear down on West Virginia. And that really allowed the running game to get going. Deion Silas had a big game. And uh then, then uh, of course Hunter Deckers was able to throw the football very, very effectively on Saturday. Starting off with Iowa, uh, you know, Carter, Zach Hoover wants to take it. I just want to know what you guys thought of that, uh, of Iowa going on the road and pre- pretty much dismantling Purdue. Well, Charlie Jones, he uh got all the stats, but Iowa got the W. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's really all that matters. Uh, I mean, uh, so I, I didn't watch the game live. I was volunteering at the time, but I did watch a recap. And uh, I mean, if we if Iowa wanted a there was no better time for Iowa's offense to come alive than in this matchup against Purdue Purdue today. And I'd also like to mention that. I mean, Iowa's defense has not performed well against Purdue in the last few years. Um, And it almost seemed like Purdue was um, Phil Parker's kryptonite in a way. I mean, he, that David Bell, and maybe it was just David Bell that was the uh, (laughs) kryptonite that he just absolutely torched Iowa and is essentially in all Iowa fans' nightmares. because, I mean, last year Purdue came in and Iowa was ranked number two and they just stomped them. And, I mean, this time I, I was worried kind of that Purdue's offense would again just destroy Iowa's defense and, I mean, and pick them apart. And Aiden O'Connell played probably his worst game of the season. Uh, and if you ask me coming into this game, who if Spencer Petras or Aiden O'Connell would have a better game, uh, I – think everyone would answer they would have thought that Aiden O'Connell would end up having the better game but I mean Spencer Petrus he looked really good and I, I know that the stats may not show it but I mean he had two touchdown passes threw for 192 yards and I mean then just talk about Caleb Johnson he I mean he almost looked green out there it was it was incredible well you lost your mic you lost your mic it's not the first time this has happened. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's so weird. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Caleb Johnson, what what more can you say than that? Yeah, he was – he looked like a man-child out there against that Purdue defense. 22 carries, 200 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and uh, I actually looked, you know, Charlie Jones finishes 11 receptions, 104 yards. He was targeted 19 times. 19 times. And, you know, he, he averaged nine and a half yards per reception, which, you know, when you get targeted 11 times, isn't horrible, but when you only average, you know, get 104 yards, that's, you know, that's what you get. But I, I actually decided to take the receiving yards and how many times he was targeted. He was averaging 5.47 yards per reception on a target. That's not very efficient. And at some mm-hmm. point, if you're Jeff Brown, you think, if you're Jeff Brown, someone's got to tell you there's other options to throw to than Charlie Jones. <laughs> Well, I mean, other than that 41-yard completion, that long one that was against uh, Cooper DeGene, Mm. they're really what – I mean, they really kept Charlie Jones in check. Well, I think think Iowa made the adjustment, too, to get DeGene off of – I think they they made the adjustment to get DeGene off of uh, Charlie Jones. They put Riley Moss on. When Riley was on him, I mean, he didn't do anything. Riley, Riley locked him down. I was very impressed with that. Zach, you got anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, Kirk mentioned it. 
he summed it up pretty well at his uh, press conference today. He felt like it was Iowa's most complete game of the season, and it's kind of hard to argue against that, um, especially when you look at just who it was, the environment, the um, and by environment I mean the weather, because I think I it it suited Iowa, like we mentioned on the like we mentioned yeah. on the pod last week when it suited Iowa to have a really uh, to have a good to have a good game this week and it and it showed um the biggest thing with petrus is over the last as over the last two two games now it's a small sample size but he's completing close to or if not above 70 percent of his passes he hasn't turned the ball over at all that is the big yeah. thing with spencer petrus he has not turned the ball over and, and if, throughout kf's tenure that has been the, the common denominator quarterbacks not not turning the football over right well, he's starting to he's starting to play like that. He's starting to play like Bethard. He's starting to play like Nate Stanley. He's he's being smarter. And this game against Wisconsin coming up will be a real will be will be the first will will be a true test to see if Petrus has has grown and if he has gotten better or if he or if it is just a two game sample size against two teams with not very good defenses. It'll be we'll we'll see we'll we'll get real answers this week against Wisconsin about what Petrus does, but it's not a realm possibility Iowa is can get back to Indianapolis, mm. um, but it's going to need some help obviously with Illinois losing two of its last three, which could happen. Or what could happen if they play like they did on Saturday, right? The Michigan State team that quite frankly isn't good. Uh, I'll be the first to say that they, that's just not a good football team. And Illinois laid an egg at home. Yeah. And you look at so, Illinois' remaining it. schedule. You look at the fact they have uh, they have Purdue next week, and not putting it past Purdue to figure it out in a week. And you know, for 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 Aiden O'Connell to come back and Charlie Jones to have you know 200 yards receiving against Illinois, I'm not going to put that past Purdue uh, with, with some yeah. of their past offensive performances. They. Go to Michigan, which I, I, I'm almost certain will be chalked up as a loss. So there's a loss yeah. there. And then they end with Northwestern, but Northwestern hangs with Ohio State on Saturday. They only lose 21 to 7. And Pat Fitzgerald's always been known to pull, you know, even, even with some of his bad teams, he's been able to up into Illinois teams that were thought to be better. So yeah. th- this this feels like a bad last three games for for Illinois. It feels like landmines. They really do feel like a, a lot of landmines. When Iowa, yep. I don't think they're. I don't think they're. Nebraska could be a landmine, but I highly doubt that Iowa overlooks it, especially if they think they have a chance to get to Indianapolis. Right. I think this week could be a, could be a potential yeah. landmine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wisconsin's had Iowa's number. Wisconsin's yeah. had Iowa's and number. Yep. And they for and they forced turnovers against Iowa lately. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. They've won the turnover battle in the in the last handful of meetings i will say though that wisconsin linebacking core isn't what it was last year with with, uh leo chanel and jack sanborn not having those two in the fold i think helps iowa out a lot and and, uh wisconsin's defensive backfield has been banged up just like purdue's has and i i've been i've been i've been a proponent of this for for a number of years even going back to when nate stanley was a quarterback i if there were times and we and i know iowa fans have gotten on brian about this if there were times that i should have thrown the ball 40 times it was against wisconsin Wisconsin could not hang with the receiving core of Amir Smith-Marset, Tyrone Tracy, and Brandon Smith. They couldn't hang with them. It, it, I think back to the 2019 matchup uh, at Camp Randall, Iowa figured that out, but it wasn't until the second half. If Iowa would have done that in the first half, I think Iowa wins that game. 
uh, against Wisconsin. The problem was, too, they couldn't stop Jonathan Taylor as well. And I think we saw that against uh, we saw that against Wisconsin in 2020 and the Kobe year. That was Spencer Petrus was able to find Amir Smith Marset. What got open a number of times in that game. Now last year I was receiving core didn't have that. Now granted the Iowa offensive line also didn't wasn't able to do anything in that game with the pressure of Wisconsin was able to dial up. But this Iowa offensive line I say has probably looked the best since it did at the end of the that 2020 season the last couple of weeks. So I think that plays into Iowa's favor as well. So. I really, yeah. you know, I'm really excited. I'll be at the game on Saturday, Carter. I know you'll be there. Uh, I, I'm really, really excited what, about what Saturday can bring. It really feels like a big opportunity for Iowa to, to really prove to the people that they never left, that they, they've they been here the whole time, and it was just a, a, a bump in the road. Yeah, and, and one last thing to say on that. I feel like Iowa's kryptonite against Wisconsin is that they try to, like, out Wisconsin, Wisconsin. And you can't do that. And yeah, you can't, you can't do that if you want to beat Wisconsin. And then the other thing that I just quick wanted to bring up was, and I know Quinn, I sent this to you, but it was Petrus's quote after the game. Um, Which I love. Purdue, where he just said, no offense to anyone in here. You guys had us dead two weeks ago, as did the whole outside world. It felt like, but that's not what football is. It's a week to week game. You keep working. And if you do things right, work hard, good results happen. Um, and, and I really, I, I thought that was a kind of a badass quote, you know, yeah. uh, after kind of what he's had to deal with and also just shows that I, I feel like maybe that this Iowa team has taken a turn for the, for the better on the season. And, but we'll see, uh, this week against Wisconsin, if that's really true. Yeah. I thought, I, minority I, of people that like that quote, because, because Chris Assel went immediately on Twitter and he was like, God, I hate that. I hate that quote. Oh, I enjoyed it. Oh, I but I, I think I think Petros was bottling that up and waiting for waiting. Oh for no, he was absolutely for that. I, you know, I hope he gets. If Iowa wins out, I hope he gets up in front of the crowd or gets up in front of the media and tells the fans have been ragging on him to eat a bag. Of you know what? <laughs> yeah, but he won't because he's too classy. No, no, he's absolutely a first class guy. But I really wish he would do that because, quite frankly, there's a lot of Iowa fans that have earned it. Quite frankly, uh, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Iowa fans that ever Iowa that. fans in quotations. Yeah, yeah. Iowa right, yeah. Quote, quote, air quotes. Uh, and, and with that, we'll, we'll switch on over to look at Iowa State as well in that game against West Virginia. Uh, like I said, Hunter Deckers was fantastic in that game. I believe he did throw up for three touchdowns in the game. If he didn't, it was uh, two touchdowns, and then he had a couple rushing touchdowns to aid, to, to aid him in that win, 31-14 over West Virginia. Iowa scored 21 in, in the fourth quarter to pull away. West Virginia got a late garbage time touchdown. Uh, to make it 31-14. But the Iowa State running game finally woke up. Uh, they finally were able to get pushed, even with Jairal Brock, who got hurt. Looked pretty nasty. Actually ended up coming back on the sideline in uniform, but Iowa State kept him out the rest of the game. Deion Silas, Cartavius Norton were able to pick it up. Iowa State was able to surpass the 100-yard rushing mark as a team. Norton, Cartavius Norton had two touchdowns. Deckers, as I mentioned, he had two touchdown passes on the day, uh, 219 yards, and both touchdowns, one to Deshaun Hanica, the other to Xavier Hutchinson. I'm not sure Iowa State turned the corner per se. I think they took advantage of a West Virginia team that isn't very good, but I think Iowa State did take positive step forward, positive steps forward. I don't think they turned the corner yet, but they did take a lot of positive steps forward offensively in that game. Also, can we talk about the career arc of JT Daniels for oh, a moment? About, yeah, yeah. I mentioned that I tweeted this out on Saturday a year ago at this time. Georgia fans were thinking maybe JT Daniels is the guy and not Stetson Bennett, and that JT Daniels is the one that leads him to a national title. Uh, and not Stetson Bennett. Man, what a difference a year makes. 
I mean, his career arc is just insane. It's wild is what it is. It's just wild. Reminds me of Will Greer a little bit. Yes. Who else? And he also ended up at West Virginia. Yeah. So, of course. West Virginia loves a legitimate quarterback. I don't know what it is. um, Yeah, I I don't think Iowa State turned a corner. And I really don't know if even if they beat Oklahoma State, who has been absolutely bombarded by the Sunflower State over the last two weeks. I don't even know yeah. if that's a case of, of turning the corner. But I I do think that this was the vision I think Campbell had when the season when Big 12 play started of what this Iowa State team was going to look like with a with you know very balanced of of having you know two to three ball carriers um getting you know or getting around you know eight to 15 touches and Decker's using his mobility, but also developing as a, as a, you know, as a pocket passer. I think this game encompassed the vision Matt Campbell had coming into this year that it just hasn't fully taken off yet, but maybe, maybe this is the spark plug Iowa state needed to go into Stillwater and beat a, a really beaten up Oklahoma state team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we'll learn more about Iowa state next week. Um, but this week is definitely a starting point to how they want to end the season to hopefully get to uh, and hopefully get to another bowl game. But I don't think we learn a lot from this game. I think we'll learn more. Uh, we'll learn more this week. I agree. Yeah, I thought their rushing attack looked a lot better this week. And then, I mean, Decker's played a really good game too. Um, I, clean game. I think that was the important thing. Yeah, yes. clean game exactly. And. I mean, the defense, I feel like, and, I, and I, maybe I'm, maybe it wasn't even as much the defense or maybe it was just JT Daniels was seeing ghosts out there, but I did think the Iowa State defense played a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. And they, they, they were and rushing the quarterback. And then, you know, I, I saw a couple of times that uh, a couple of times, John Hecock dialed up some pretty good blitzes. that got pressure and got the job yeah. done. Yeah. They've been playing really well all year. I mean, this, this week, this week has been, this week was a good week, but I mean, let's not snuff around and say that Iowa State's defense hasn't been the best part of well, that. No, they're team, top so. 10 defense right now. They have they're, a great they're defense. They're top 10 defense. And, great and defense. I think their defense is going to be the key to winning this, this next week here in Stillwater. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be the key. It'll be key for them to win these next three, their, their last three, four, three games. Three, yeah. Three, three games. Yep. Yep. Got Oklahoma State coming up on Saturday, uh, home versus Texas Tech on senior day uh, the following weekend, and then uh, Thanksgiving weekend they are down at TCU, which could be interesting if TCU is still undefeated. Yeah, well, in Iowa State, they had to – they essentially had to win this game to become bowl eligible, if mm-hmm. you know, with, with the remaining schedule. Um, and I, I do think that they have a lot better chance than they did that – I, that I thought they did last week. Yeah. Um, now that they have this, I mean, honestly, I can see them winning two of these last three games. I, I can't. I can't too. Uh, I, I very well can't too. I think. I, I mean, granted, Stillwater's been a tough place to play for yep. Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, T Boone Pickens Stadium is kind of an underrated place to play, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, that's been a, kind of a tough place for Iowa State to play under Matt Campbell. Uh, and you know, I think you, you if you're going to catch Oklahoma State, a good Oklahoma State team, you're catching them at the right time with their reeling after back-to-back losses. Uh, yeah, and they're banged up. And they're very and they're, banged up. Spencer Sanders very play on up. Saturday. Uh, so, you know, he's a, he's their senior quarterback. Their defensive backfield is very beat up, so it feels like there's a chance that obviously the passing game could have a big day. Uh, Hunter Deckers could really thrive on that. So I really think Iowa State has a chance to, to really 
like you said, I don't know if they turn, even turn a corner this week, Zach, but they really have a chance to, to uh, maybe show that, hey, maybe this is this is what the future looks like. Maybe not this year, but next year. Yeah, agreed. So what's that? Iowa State, they, they moved to four and five with the win, and uh, they will be uh, taking on, like we mentioned, Oklahoma State coming up on Saturday. With that, we'll move over to college hoops. Uh, of course, the men's college basketball season kicked off last night. Well, men's and women's college basketball. The regular season kicked off last night. Iowa, uh, they hosted uh, Bethune-Cookman and HBCU from Daytona Beach. And then Iowa State hosted IUPUI at Hilton Coliseum. Both games were, were, were decisive blocks. Iowa won 89-58. Uh, to 58. Iowa State won 88-39 uh, to 39 over IUPUI. First, we'll lead off with Iowa Carter while we still have you here. Uh, I know you got to take off here pretty soon, but in Iowa, the starting five, you know, pretty split among the the the, the double digit points. Tony Perkins, the leading scorer, and he is a guy. He's been even better than I thought he, he could be to start the year. Chris Murray wasn't really noisy on the offensive end, but just you know, rebounded well, distributed well. I thought and scored when he had to. And then Philip Rabracha, I tell you what, we can get that kind of effort out of Philip all year with the improvements he's made. Boy, he's going to be tough, even for even for a center that's you know bigger than him. He's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, the two players I was most impressed with last night, Tony Perkins. I mean, he looks like he has taken that step forward that everyone was talking about in the offseason. And then Philip Rabracha, he's the other guy that's a key going to be a key to Iowa's success this season. If he can be, if he can rebound the ball well. Um, I, I do really like the chances Iowa has and what, what will be their toughest non-conference schedule in the Fran McCaffrey era. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Iowa basketball, they're going to be fun to watch this year. The over didn't hit last night, which is crazy. I mean, Surprising. I feel like the over always hits. Um, and, but uh, I mean, they're going to be fun to watch. They score a lot of points. Um, they, they did pick it up on the defensive end that early in the game, they, we're not playing good defense and they did pick it up there, which was nice to see. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, they have another kind of uh, by game by win uh, Friday against North Carolina A&T, but then, I mean, they get right into the thick of their schedule and then we'll really see what kind of team we get with uh, Seton Hall the following week. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. I, as, oh, you go ahead, Zach. Sorry. No, I, I, um, I mean, you guys, you guys hit it. Tony Perkins, Philip or Bracha, I think the, I think Carter, you're right. Those two are going to be key cogs to how Iowa State is going to be this year. But I, I truly think the X factor is going to be Peyton Sanford. I really think Peyton Sanford is going to be the X factor for this for this Iowa team. How, you know, whether he remains in the starting lineup as it, as that off ball remains to be seen. But if even even if he's their sixth man, I think his I think his minutes are going to be so vital to to what this Iowa to what this Iowa team is, is going to look like in December, January, and February. I, I think Peyton Sanford's going to be the real X factor for uh, the real X factor for Iowa this, this year. I would agree on that. He's, he's definitely a high volume shooter uh, at that two guard spot. And you look at Iowa's uh, non-conference schedule, obviously North Carolina A&T coming up on Friday, Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday, they're at Seton Hall for the uh, Gavette games. Uh, it's the first time in a while Iowa's been involved in the Gavette games. It's good to see them back in that. Uh, tournament we're back in that uh, classic once again then they they, they get a break they get, bring in uh, nebraska omaha uh, from the summit league on monday and then they have a neutral site game for clemson uh that is a part of a uh, part of an mte uh, as well then they uh, get uh, they get uh, georgia tech which is a part 
of the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then they have they have a bit, a bit of a break, but they have a week break, and then they're at Madison Square Garden. They're playing the Duke Blue Devils in prime time. That is a huge opportunity for the Iowa program to cement itself and elevate itself on a national basis. They come back, however, it's going to be a tough turnaround going from Duke uh, to Iowa State. Fortunately, that Iowa State game for Iowa is at home. And then they Iowa gets another break before they welcome in Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin team that you know has has a couple question marks coming into the season as well on, on December 11th, and then they round out the non-conference slate with Southeast Missouri State and Eastern Illinois. So there, there, you know, there, there's timely non-conference games where Iowa can you know buy games for the Hawkeyes, but man, that that from from Thanksgiving week all the way through the Iowa State game, man. That is about as tough of a slate as I can ever remember non-conference for Iowa basketball. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be going to be fun. Going to be a lot of fun to watch as a fan and uh, definitely going to be fun to follow from afar. And, and with that, we'll, we'll flip over, you know, mention Iowa State. You know, they shut out or they, they don't shut out, but it felt like a shutout of IUPUI, <laughs> only allowing only allowing 39 points. That's got to be like a basketball equivalent to shut out. Uh, they, they blow out IUPUI 88 to 39. Jaron Holmes, the uh, St. Bonaventure transfer, he was sensational, I thought, in the game. Really provided a spark offensively, provided a go-to guy. Uh, Oshun, uh, Asun, uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name. Oshun Asuni, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he showed a lot of promise on, on the both ends of the floor in terms of being a rim protector on one side and being a go-to uh, you know, option in the paint. Got a lot of got a lot of uh, Jamil McKay in his game. I see a lot of Jamil McKay and his son Ashuini. If maybe maybe more maybe not quite as able to run the floor, but definitely an athletic big. Gabe Kalisher off the bench with 16 points uh, for the Cyclones as well. Uh, just in the defense, they they forced almost 30 turnovers, and that's what that's quite frankly what a uh, uh, TJ Otzelberger wants to do. And Zach will start with you. I don't know how much you got to watch of that game. I know you were covering you and I last night, but uh, I definitely walked away. Jaron Holmes definitely feels like a guy could very well be a very much needed go-to option for the Cyclones this year. Yeah. And that was something that I talked about last week is like, what, who is going to be that go-to option for Iowa state. And I felt like it was going to be, you know, jazz or Gabe Couch or some of the, some of the, you know, returners that, that, that Ots is going to rely on, but Jaron Holmes definitely took it in, took it by the horns, at least for this first game to be the leading score. Um, look, you know, I, I watched some, I watched some highlights of it. it looked good. Look, I thought Jaron Holmes looked very smooth. Um, pretty, pretty seamless transition into his first game of, of playing, of playing power five, big 12 basketball. Um, and I think, I think um, Otz is kind of going back to what he did last year of really hard-nosed defense, and he's gonna he's gonna have his guys grit and grind their way to victories. And if it, if it can result in another non-conference, you know, unbeaten before uh, um, um, Big Twelve play, but yeah, yeah, before Big Twelve play starts, um, I I think it's I think it just proves that just how good of a coach Otz is and how he's able to develop the find guys in the portal and to fit to fit his scheme and to fit what to fit fit what he what he wants to do in the Big 12. Yeah. I I thought Jaron English looked really well, the transfer from St. Bonaventure. And then I mean I feel like just as we talk about Iowa basketball overs and how many points they score, Iowa let's talk about Iowa State basketball unders and just how great their defense is. I mean it's crazy the difference between the two programs that are, you know, the, the two big programs in the state, um, just that they're different 
philosophies on basketball. I mean, there again, Iowa State. I we were kind of curious who would be scoring the points for them this year, and I'm interested uh, once their schedule really picks up to see who the who the guys will be. Um, but I mean, there's no question that they're gonna give they're gonna be a problem to anybody they play. Um, you know, defensively. Yeah, that is the, the, the tenacity of Iowa State's defense has always really stood out. And you look at their non-con schedule, not nearly as grueling as Iowa. But they do have, you know, they have they have Iowa. Uh, they do have uh, Iowa on that schedule coming up on December 8th. And then uh, they do uh, have Villanova. Uh, uh, they do have Villanova as a neutral site game as well coming up uh, to, on the uh, day or on Thanksgiving Day, as a matter of fact. That'll be a 3.30 p.m. tip between Iowa State and Villanova. They also do play St. John's as well, St. John's out of the Big East. So that will be a, a good test. But um, definitely, I think, uh, you know, there's a chance Iowa State – could somehow finish that non-constellate undefeated. I think at Iowa is going to be tough this year. I feel yeah, like agreed. just when you look at the makeup of Iowa and Iowa State, if you guys don't hear Carter, it's because he just had left. He had to go go to his uh, three-on-three uh, basketball deal for uh, for uh, uh, intramurals. But, you know, when you look at the makeup when it comes to Iowa and Iowa State basketball this year when those two teams face off, I think you look, you know, because uh, uh, I, I have a feeling that Damon Lipsy will be the point guard for Iowa State going into that game. Uh, at Carver Hawkeye, it's going to be a tough task for him against Tony Perkins on both sides, both sides of the floor. Yeah, I agree. I think, I, I think the Cyhawk game is probably Iowa State's most difficult non-conference schedule, most difficult non-conference mm-hmm. game. Um, I, I still, I, and I think Iowa probably, you know, we'll we'll forecast it down the line, but I think Iowa right now is is going to maybe be the more complete team potentially at that point. And we really still won't know what Iowa state's offense will look like. Maybe we will, maybe yeah. we'll find out over these They're next, you know, handful. Yeah, exactly. We'll find out over these next handful of games, what Iowa state's offense looks like. Who's going to be that, you know, more can, you know, it, it was Jaron Holmes today or yesterday, but it can be, it could be someone completely different. Yep. Next game. It could be, it can be, they could have five different lean scores over their next five games. We don't know. So we'll, we'll, we'll get more answers about Iowa state's offense. The more games they play, um, but right now, I just feel like through one game, it just feels like, and it and just the vibe, it feels like Iowa's going to be a more complete team than Iowa State. Well, I, I think a big X factor with that, too, is when you look at Iowa, you know, they, team defense may not be, you know, because Iowa's team defense is always usually, they're hovering around, you know, anywhere from 80 to 60, maybe even the, the, the upper 50s on a really good year. But what they do have is they got some great individual defenders. Like, you know, I mentioned Tony Perkins quick very versatile defender and, he, and I, I think as well uh you look at Philip Abraci he may not be tall but he's very physical on the low block I think that you know that bodes well against an Iowa State front line that's going to be very very physical um I, you know I look at a guy like Connor McCaffrey who can play one through five and I think he you know if asked he could defend one through five I mean I'm not saying yeah, he's, he do it. He's, he's not going to do it at a, you know at an insanely high level but he can do it at a very very uh, very capable level, uh, yeah. you know, but there are going to be some younger guys, you know, you look at, you know, what's Peyton Sanford going to be able to do defensively. Patrick McCaffrey, is he going to be better defensively? Because there are some times he looked lost on the defensive end last year. Is he going to be able to be better defensively? You know, look at guys on the bench, like, uh, like a DeSante Bowen, what's he going to bring to the table defensively or on the offensive end for that matter? Uh, so I did, you know, I, I, I agree right now at the sentiment that Iowa may be the more complete team right now, but obviously, like I said, when we get closer it's, to the side, it's so early. Well, we'll we'll have a we'll have a better idea. You know, by by the time December rolls around, I think we will have a very very good idea. One hundred percent. So, 
we were going to talk about women's basketball, but I kind of want to save that for when Carter's here because I feel like that's the topic we could all get really, really excited about. So we'll save that for the yeah, next we, time. Yeah, we, we, we can talk about that next week. Let's let's talk about how the Ravens' defense screwed you in fancy football. <laughs> well, they, all they had to do was not allow another field goal, but something, you know, sometimes I guess – Sometimes I guess you don't get always get what you want, but I suppose. <laughs> Are you in one fantasy football league? Or I, I have two. I'm five and four in one of them, and the other one I'm two and seven. Are they both redraft? Uh, no. Both dynasty? Oh no, they, no, they are redraft. Sorry, I, I got confused what you meant by redraft. Yes, it's one year redraft every year. So. Okay, yeah. So I'm in three dynasty leagues. I'm my best ball league is I'm eight and one, and that's the one I had mix and go off. Yeah, and then you. I'm five and four and one, and then three and six and another. And I'm I'm trying to lose. My, yeah, I'm trying to lose my three and six, and my five and four. I'm just I'm underachieving. My roster is so good, but my I'm underachieving. You're I'm under-achieving. getting injury riddled. Yeah. Oh, that's always fun. That's always fun when you have such a talented roster, but they just don't perform. That's just that that might be worse than being you know two and seven, three and six. That's just right. I, I mean, in my three and six, I'm trying to lose. I'm purposely yeah. losing. I'm actively starting. Samaj P. Ryan and Matt Breida <laughs> as my running backs. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. Yeah. That, that's when you know you're just throwing in the towel. Yep. Just throwing in the towel. So with that, uh, I suppose we'll throw in the towel here for today's episode of the Eyes on Iowa <laughs> podcast. Uh, I, I I picked up on I picked up on your segue abilities. You, my you segue abilities? Yeah, you know, yeah, you did that to me all the, the entire drive home from Iowa City after the Iowa State game. You were relentless. Oh yeah. No, I was good at that. Yeah. You were relentless. Yeah. I was relentless. As I should have been. As I should have been. Yes, you you very well should have been. You you were allowed to celebrate even at even at my own expense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's gonna do it for us uh here for uh, Carter, who already took off. Uh, and for our uh, other co-host Zach Martin this is Quinn Douglas signing off we'll talk to you folks again next